Um, this morning's word isn't necessarily a real shundai shundai word. <laughs> um, I had some, you know, the what's the saying? If looks could throw daggers, I'd be dead. Listen, I would be unrecognizable after first service. So if you're with me this morning, all I'm going to ask is that you just help me because um, it's an important word. Amen. Now, before we even get into the word, I have to preface the word before we get into it so that nobody misunderstands me. This is very, very, very important. First and foremost, I am not the senior man of this house. I'm not. If you're new and this is your first time with us, I am not the senior pastor. I am not the lead pastor. Pastor Alex Pappas is our senior pastor. He is our lead pastor. That is the pastor that God gave the mandate and the vision to that started everything that you see around us. Can I get an amen? I am not the senior man here. I also feel like this also kind of qualifies me a little bit to give the word that we're giving today because I can understand how awkward it might be as the senior man to minister the word that I'm going to bring to you today. Secondly, I, without a shadow of a doubt, will bring up something that, such as spiritual sonship. And I will talk quite a bit about being a spiritual son. So ladies... Please hear me this morning for the efforts and the sake of just making sure that everyone's on the same page. If I say a spiritual son, say that's me too, <laughs> okay? So just know going into it that you can assert spiritual daughter in that place. Is that all right? But for the sake of time and for the sake of me not getting tongue twisted, going spiritual son or spiritual daughter, every time I say it, it just makes it easier if I could just call it what it is because I am a spiritual son, so it's easier for me to just minister that way. Is that all right? Everybody with me so far? Okay. There was a third preface and I've already forgot it. I'm looking to my wife for help and she's looking back at me. <laughs> no assistance there, but I still love you. <laughs> Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. It's very important. We're, we're going to talk about catching the spirit of the leader. and why this is so important. And it is wildly important. I spoke last night on the corporate anointing and the great blessing that it is to be covered under a corporate anointing and to be in a house that has a corporate prophetic anointing specifically and what a great blessing that is. Let me go to Joel um, chapter two and I referenced this last night and I wanna start there this morning. Joel chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. Everybody say in formation. And they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. And everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. And they run to and fro in the city. And they climb on the wall. And they climb into the houses. And they enter the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark. And the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. 
rank and file. Let's talk about it. Satan's army is very organized. If you don't believe me, look at what is being taught in schools and look at what is going on in our culture. Look at what is going on in politics and the enemy manages to get away with it. The only way you can pull a stunt as broad and as brazen as he is pulling in America, you have to be wildly organized. Militaries, some of the greatest militaries on the face of planet Earth are the most organized militaries where everybody marches in rank and file, but yet the church has this independent spirit thing where we want to do it my way. But if we're really going to step into the fullness of what God has called this church to do, we need to understand spiritual leadership, number one, and also understand our place underneath that leadership. I remember the third preface. <laughs> Just thank you, Holy Ghost. As we go into today, knowing that I'm talking about spiritual leadership and specifically catching the spirit of the leader, our senior pastor, is that all right? Okay. Understand, and let me preface it with this. If you're here and if you submit under this house and you call Oceans Unite home and you, you, you jump in the flow of the river, if you were here last night, you'll know what I'm saying. You're not a hindrance to the flow of what God is doing here, but rather an asset to it. I would assume you have the discernment to realize that our senior pastor isn't a man who does not operate with integrity, who isn't not trustworthy, who is a big jerk X, Y, and Z. If you're here and you align yourself with it, I would assume you have the discernment to realize and recognize that he is a man of God, that he does fear the Lord, that he seeks to please God and God alone and not people. He calls it what it is, an unadulterated truth, a real raw word from God. And he fears God. God gave him a mandate, God gave him a vision, and he's gonna do what he's gotta do to see that mandate and that vision succeed. So if we all believe that and we fall, all fall in line with that and we realize and recognize that, it'll help us get through the rest of this morning. Can I get an amen? Let's go to Numbers 11. I started or I ended last night on Numbers 11, 24 through 26. And we talked about how when there's a corporate anointing and you fall in line with that corporate anointing and you, you, you really plug into the DNA of the house, you can flow and you can minister in a similar anointing to the anointing that is on the house. We use that out of Numbers 11, 24 through 26, where Moses was praying and God said that the same spirit that was on Moses, he put it upon the 70 elders. And then it says, and then when that spirit, that spirit that was on Moses came on the elders, then the elders began to prophesy. So they flowed in a similar anointing to Moses. Let's look at it before Numbers 11 and 24 through 26. And this is where we'll start this morning. It says, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. How many of you know it still does? For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. I said this in first service, and about six people got it. But I heard a minister once say, this is a real good reason and should encourage you to not sit at the back of the church, because judgment always starts at the back of the... 
It's a joke for all of you that are in the back. I know the seats up front were taken. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it's just a joke. It's okay to laugh in church. Listen, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is. Can I get an amen? Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of that place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. Everybody say intense craving. So the children of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color was the color of delum. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it on millstones and beat it into mortar and cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was the taste of a pastry prepared with oil. Sounds pretty good to me. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night and the manna fell on it, then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families and everyone at the door of his tent. And, his, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. So Moses, watch this. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have laid the burden of all of these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all of these people? For they weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, Lord, please kill me here and now. Let's paint the reality of this. This isn't the prophet Elijah hiding in the cave because Jezebel's trying to kill him. This isn't Stephen the martyr who's literally being stoned to death for the cause of Christ. He's not under any physical ailment. But he says, Lord, kill me now. Why? Because the people were complaining. I'm not bringing this point up to show the weakness of Moses. No, 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 no. On the contrary, I don't think Moses was weak at all. I'm bringing this point up to show you the power of complaining against the senior man and how it affects them and how it keeps him up at night and how it keeps him not sleeping and how it keeps him having conversations at home with his wife and his kids when he should be spending valuable time with them. And he's talking about all the people who are complaining about their intense craving. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I know we're being provided for. I know you're calling us to go into the, the, the land flowing with milk and honey, but I really want to go back to my Egypt. I really want the things of old. I really want my old cravings. I really want my old life. I really want that old addiction. I really want to go back to the way that it was. Things were a lot more comfortable back then. And we complain at the end of the tent going, ah, well, you know, we're being provided for and we're, we're on the path to destiny, the road to destiny, but, you know, the senior man should do better. Y'all got to help me this morning. You also have to realize, who was it that entered the promised land? 
Because, see, we're real quick to point the finger at the senior man and say that he's not doing good enough, but the problem wasn't the senior man. The problem was the complaining on the outskirts of the tent. Come on. So that one little complaint about you just being a little bit uncomfortable, we don't realize what it does to the man of God over the body. Because when he hears that complaint, I promise you it puts him in turmoil because he loves the people. And instead of saying, God, smite them all, which is, I think, what Moses should have said, instead of doing that, he says, God, just kill me. Oh, man, that ought to break somebody's heart. Come on now. You love our pastor? Let him go home to his family at night. Come on, you love our pastor? Don't get offended when there's a three-month waiting list because there's 1,500 of us that all want to have coffee with him. Come on, if you love him, let him be the man of God that he's called to be. Let him be the man that can go up on the mountain and he's got people in line to take up the burden of the ministry, to carry the weight of the ministry. I'm a mere son in the house. I said this in first service and people misunderstood me. When I first got saved, long before Oceans was ever even a thing, long before the vision had ever gone to Pastor Alex, before the mandate ever came to him, I was still serving underneath him then. In the very beginning, he was just my boss and I was just an employee. And then he turned into my best friend. And then he turned into my senior pastor. And then he turned into my prophet. And there's this whole level that we could go through. And I'm only telling you my experiential life, what happened with me. And I'm sorry, but my opinion, my experience will always trump somebody's theological debate. I'm not here to theologically debate you. I'm here to share with you what I have done. In the last 10, 12 years of my life, I have served this man. And my ministry died when I came up underneath of him as it should. And I said, I'll do whatever I got to do to make sure he's a success. <laughs> we'll get into it. Notice that when Moses went up on the mountain, he took somebody with him. He took Joshua with him. Notice when it comes down to catching the spirit of the leader, while Moses was still ministering, there was nobody trying to catch the spirit of Joshua. I'm an asset to his ministry. I assist in his ministry, as do all of my other brothers on the pastoral staff here at Oceans Unite Christian Center. But that looks different to what a lot of people think it looks like. Because see, if we truly take the heart of fathership and the heart of sonship well, we will go, listen, Pastor Alex, whatever you need, I'm here. I'm very blessed and privileged to be right here right now ministering the word to you, but you have to understand my heart can't change and my excellence can't change if it's preaching today and cleaning a toilet tomorrow. I got to be okay being in the pit. That's what they called prophets anyways. It's prophets in training, being in the pit. And I'm quite okay cleaning toilets. And there's many pictures of me doing it. Matter of fact, two years ago, I... 
a sewer main leak underneath the church and everybody needed toilets. You don't want to come to a church where the toilets begin to overflow. And my pastor is in panic. He's going, I don't know what to do. We've had four or five services in a row where in the middle of church service, there is sewage running out underneath the doors. Come on, you remember. And I said, Pastor, go home. I got it. No, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Because I know he needed to be up on the mountain. And regardless of my title, regardless of who I think I am, I said, Pastor, you go home and you do what God called you to do. I'll get the shovel. I'll get the jackhammer. I'll crawl up underneath the slab. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, when everyone else is at home sleeping, me and three other faithful sons in the house are digging a ditch on a Thursday night, mind you, so that when the body showed up on Sunday, it's as if nothing ever happened. Title what? I said, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make you great. I'm here to fall in line with the mandate God gave you. And I'll roll my sleeves up and get my hands in it in a second. I'm never too dignified to serve. And we should all take up that call. Mikey Annie's got a volleyball tournament and Pastor Naomi's got to be with her. Can you handle announcements this morning? Absolutely. And the tithe and the communion and the baptisms. Don't worry about it, Pastor. Whatever you need, I got you. Oh, children's ministry? What happened? We, it fell off. We were good with the, with the announcements. What happened? Cameras? There's a lot that goes on to make it tick here. I promise you, our pastor doesn't need help preaching. I promise he does a real good job at preaching the word. He doesn't need help from me to preach. I'm only here when he needs a vacation. And I'm all right with that. I don't need more opportunity. I'm thankful. Oh my God, am I thankful for the opportunity. But I'll clean them toilets, I'll paint the walls, I'll run the electric, I'll do whatever needs to be done so that he can focus on what God gave him. He said, because the burden is too heavy. Verse 16, so the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people. Whom you know, Moses, and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you, Moses, then I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take the spirit that is upon you, Moses, and I will put it upon them, that they shall bear the burden of the people with you. You choose them, Moses. Well, why is Moses choosing the people? Because he's got to put up with them. The Lord says, find yourself a good wife. That's why he doesn't say, I'll pick her for you, because i got to put up with her. <laughs> it's been a blessing in the best nine and a half years of my life, so don't take it as a negative. Can I get an amen? But he said, you pick them, because you've got to deal with them. You've got to make sure that they've got your DNA. You got to make sure that they catch the same spirit that's upon you and it goes upon them. Because if not, you'll get some Absaloms at the gate that say, oh, you can't get to pastor? 
Oh, you can't get to him? Don't worry, I have time for you. Let me lend my ear to you. See, we get real excited when we jump and shout about catching the anointing and catching the corporate anointing that's upon the house, but we choose to forget the fact that you also, if you want that same anointing, you should also be able to share in the burden. We'll get there. I almost dropped the cap. Listen to me. In order to effectively work in the house, you need to have the same DNA that's on the leader of the house. Watch this. Anytime a house is divided amongst itself, that house cannot stand. These are the words of Jesus. And anywhere that there's two visions, that creates division. And where there's division, there will always be collateral damage when there's two different visions. So if this is your house and if this is your DNA and you've caught the spirit that's upon our pastor and you really choose to accept and choose spiritual sonship as a way that we should serve and a way that we should go, all of a sudden your ministry and your vision and your opinion and your theology all of a sudden dies. Because anywhere a house is divided amongst itself, it's not gonna be able to stand. And I believe the mandate that God gave Pastor Alex to bring the fire of God to the city and this nation by teaching and demonstrating his love and power. And so whatever means that looks like, I fall in line with it. I thank God we have the Jethro model, if you will. We have our senior pastor on top. We have zone leaders and district pastors underneath them. And then we have you group leaders. Everybody wants a coffee chat and a dinner with Pastor Alex. But if you love him, you'll let him go home to his family. Oh, no, 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 my problem's too big for, for, for the, the cell leader. Well, now you're saying that the delegated authority that pastor gave out isn't good enough. Now, let me jump ship and let me just go over my cell leader. Let me go over my zone leader. Let me go over the other pastoral staff at the church, and I need to go right to the head man in charge. Well, that's because I don't think that he's delegated well enough. Come on, help me this morning. Help me this morning. See, things can go so much smoother. He set this stuff up. People have been tested. People have been tried. Understand, I'm not trying to make paint this picture that our pastor is unavailable and untouchable because that's not true. And if you really know the heart of my pastor, if he had his way, he would have dinner with every single one of you. That's the honest, the God is my witness. I know that's his heart because he loves the people. He really, really does. I don't know how many are in this sanctuary this morning, but this is only one service. Take a look around. How many dinners can you fit in a week? Our man's, I mean, pastor would be real, like, <laughs> come help me this morning. And it's because we feel like my need is too great for the leadership that he's put in place. Boy, that sounds a lot like what happened with Moses, doesn't it? Exodus 24 and 13. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up on the mountain of God and he said uh, to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Who's we? Him and Joshua. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. And if any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. 
Sounds like delegated authority to me. I've got some business with God. I'm going to take this young man with me. We're going to ascend the hill. We're going to go have our conversation with God. If anything happens in my absence, these are the head guys in charge. Go to them. Are we good so far? Exodus 32 and 21 says, And Moses said to Aaron, he come back down off the hill, and he said, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people and that they are set on evil. It's the people. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. For they said to me, make us gods that we shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and magically this calf came out. Then Moses saw the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them. Anytime you choose and you begin to bend the knee to people-pleasing instead of what God has said, you put yourself in a position to be in trouble. Let's look at Samuel and Saul. God gave Samuel over Saul. He put him in charge over Saul to lead him and guide him in the ways of the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15 to utterly kill all of the Amalekites. Everybody say all. Kill it all, everything, even the animals. Get rid of it all, pretty clear, right? I don't have an issue with that. Do you have an issue with that? If he says go in the land and smite them all, just be the, just, I mean, just drop the hammer. No problem. Verse 24 says that Saul feared the voice of the people and obeyed their voice rather than the voice of Samuel. And then we see in verse 25, one verse later, that God rejected him as king over Israel. There are things that God will show the senior man that he does not necessarily have to share with you. And as an asset to his ministry, in whatever capacity that may be. Maybe it's youth ministry, maybe it's maintenance, maybe it's fixing the toilets, maybe it's DTC, maybe it's the tech and media team. Wherever he needs me, I'm gonna be an asset to that and I don't need to ask him questions. (laughs) Yes, sir, you got it. One of the greatest joys of my life, I'm sharing from experience this morning, one of the greatest joys of my life, and I've said this for a very, very long time, is that when something gets delegated into my hands, I need him to forget about it. You got to see it for what it is. Mike, I need you to handle the youth. Yes, sir. At that moment, he shouldn't have to worry about the youth anymore. And he knows that, listen, I put him in charge. He's got it, and he's going to do it with excellence because he serves. Mike, I need you to fix the walls, paint them, do them, patch them, whatever it is. Pastor, don't even worry about it. I don't need him coming into the sanctuary four different times during the day to check to make sure that I'm doing that with which he told me to do. I need him to just remove it from his mind so he can focus on something else and know that that with which he has given me is as good as done. As soon as I say, yes, sir, I got it, it's done. My heart is different. A spiritual son will always look at it in that eye. A professional hireling will go, "Mm, well, I hope I get recognition on Sunday. I hope pastor announces from the pulpit that at 2 in the morning I was in there digging the trench and fixing the toilet so that everybody can go to the bathroom safely on Sunday. Uh, He better let, I mean, he needs to let the people know. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, amen. I know it's not a popular message, but let's let's the reality of it is this is is who entered into the promised land? Joshua. Who didn't? <laughs> who just submitted and said, "Yeah, I'm here. Whatever you need." And again, I'll say this again. Nobody was looking for the spirit that was on Joshua while Moses was still in a, uh, in a position of power. So please don't misunderstand. I'm not the senior man here. Is that all right? Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take your master from you from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to, to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two men went on, and the 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by the Jordan, now Elijah Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over onto dry ground. As the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. It's about time that the army of God gets some loyalty back in the camp. My dad was in first service, and I love my dad very much, and we have a great relationship now, and, and I love the fact that he understands spiritual sonship because I can say Pastor Alex is my spiritual father, and he doesn't even blink an eye. He's like, yeah, I got it. I'm with you. I'm, I, me too. Amen? There's no issues. There's no, there's no schisms within the body. Is that all right? But my daddy gave me a lot of good whippings when I was a child. You didn't? <laughs> I, I mean, he gave me some stern ones. Like I still feel them today. My real father now. I, I'll never forget there was a time when I had, I put some chicken on top of a cabinet, and chicken skins for catfishing. And I put them in a Ziploc bag and I set them up on top because I wanted them to brew a little bit and get a little stinky. 
And the problem was, is I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, you know what happened. It didn't take long, and all of a sudden, that bag bloated up, and it popped, and it was oozing all down the side of the cabinets. It was so rank, it began to peel the paint off the cabinets, and it smelt to high heavens. And my daddy come up to me, and he said, boy, do you know anything about this? I said, no, daddy. Oh, I still feel it today. I'll say this, I never did it again, and I promise you I never lied to him again. Every whipping I ever got from my physical father, I deserved every single one of them, and I'm a better man today for it. But I say that to say this, if you'd have asked the 10-year-old me that same question, I'd have pointed the finger at him and said he was the problem. Mm. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. See, there's things that God will show him that he doesn't have to show you, but he'll show him because he'll come in and start pruning out the things that need to come out. See, I had to get rid of that lying within me, and it took a good old whipping from my daddy in order for the lion to go. Is anyone with me? But see, when it comes to church stuff, I don't know why this isn't taught. I don't know why we don't understand. And all of a sudden, our pastor comes to us, and he gives us a real word, an unadulterated word, a word that will actually change us and cause us to grow. And we choose to get offended and say, no, 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 no. The problem's him. Are you with me this morning? Every spiritual whipping that I ever got from my spiritual father, I deserved every one of them. But if you asked me in the moment, I'd have said he was the. <laughs> you got to help me here. But there has to come a point in a time when you have to choose and say, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. I cannot change who my father is. Jess Cornell will always be my dad until we're both dead and gone. Why is it we feel like we can trade spiritual fathers in and out based off of our own opinions and our own hurts? He's either your spiritual daddy or he's not. You, you got to help me. See, I don't know why it, the rules apply in the natural, but whenever it comes to the church, we want to change the rules to fit our own agenda. You know, the, the stuff that he's telling us, I thank God we have a pastor that tells us the truth. I thank God we got a pastor that loves us enough to give us the truth. I accept that. I receive that. I, I, I'm thankful. Oh, am I thankful. Why? Because there's a mandate. There's a calling on the body. And he's trying to get us all to come up to that same level. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. See, Elijah, Elisha understood something. Elisha, while he was serving the prophet Elijah, understand Elisha wasn't out prophesying. Elisha didn't have the mantle. Elisha didn't have the microphone. Elisha wasn't up on the pulpit ministering the word. Elisha was in the background taking care of the prophet. He was in the background saying, oh, I, I think he's getting thirsty. Let me make sure he's got a water. I'm, listen, you don't get too far from me. I'm like that, that fly that you can't get rid of. <laughs> but he understood something from watching in the background because he saw there was a Jezebel that was coming against Elijah. And Elijah, the, the Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel didn't defeat Elijah, but it did put him into a cave and put him into hiding. And his ministry really suffered because of it. And he said, listen, if I'm supposed to follow this man, and if I'm supposed to pick up the legacy that gets left behind, those are some really big shoes. And that thing that almost defeated you, in order for me to defeat the thing that almost defeated you, I'm going to need a little bit more than what you had. 
And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, verse 12. My father, my father. He didn't call out and say, prophet Elijah. He didn't call out and say, the man of God, the pastor. He said, my father, my father. I understand fathership has been wildly abused in the ministry. But I go back to preface number three. If you're here at the beginning, remember preface number three, the one I forgot and I remembered in the middle of talking? If you're here, it's because you recognize and realize he's a man of integrity. He's a man who fears the Lord. He's a man who hears from God. So if we have that understanding, we realize that we're not submitting to a jerk. We're not submitting to somebody who spiritually manipulates us. Amen? So we have to receive him as what he is. He may not be it to you, but he's my spiritual father. And to the level that you perceive is the level that you... My father, my father. Verse 12. The chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took up his own clothes and he tore him into two pieces and he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he went back and he stood on the bank by the Jordan and then he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elisha crossed over. Now it was when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho, the very voice that was coming against him, the very voice of the accuser that said, don't you know he's gonna leave you? I wonder if you've ever experienced that and you're falling under line of a senior man under a senior pastor and somebody whispers in your ear, oh, don't you know you should be more offended by that comment? The pastor down the road would have never said it that way. Now the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and they bowed on the ground before him. You got to ask yourself, do I have a servant's heart? Do I have a son's heart? Or am I just a hireling? A true son will always look on how to help, how to be an assist, how to not hinder, how to not stop the flow, how to not slow things down, but rather how to, to make it better. He'll always try to be one step ahead rather than a step behind. Watch this, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us where our greatest joy is seeing somebody else lifted up and somebody else's ministry growing because the way up is the way down. Are you with me? An independent spirit will always view their services as a stepping stone for personal achievement. They only serve for recognition. And loyalty can be tested by one's ability to change their agenda to serve another. And loyalty must be tested with fire. No one knows you're a thief until you've first been tempted to steal. No one knows you're a liar until you've been tempted to lie. And stuff comes out under fire. 
Paul, when he was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, he says that he had a bundle of sticks, and in that bundle of sticks, there was a serpent, there was a snake, there was a viper, and he was carrying that bundle of sticks, and he was on his way to put this bundle on a fire. And notice the snake was hiding in those sticks and was perfectly comfortable being in those sticks. And it wasn't until Paul put that bundle of sticks on the fire that all of a sudden there was an agitation in the spirit, and that very snake ran out and bit Paul, and he said, oh, which elder did that? It's got to be tested with fire. And the fire will always reveal the snake in the grass. Every time. And sometimes we don't like it because our intense craving and our intense feelings and our emotions and what I want I can remember pastor telling me, listen, boy, you need to slow down. I'll Okeechobee-ize it for you a little bit. The Okeechobee context of it is your britches are getting too big for you. You're getting a little too big for your britches. You need to just pull it back a little bit. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, people will look at that and go, well, he's trying to restrain you. Don't you know the anointing that's on your life? He's trying to hold you back. He's No, you're wrong. He's trying to protect me. Because he recognizes something and he's willing to, if there isn't a fire, he's willing to create one to see that which was inside of me. And I had to go through it in order to see what was in me that wasn't pretty. And I'm thankful that he's got enough vision to see it and to help it get out of me so that when the time does come and I'm sent, not went, I don't fail. It's experiential. But because me, myself, and I, we stand in the way and we want to push against the goads. And we want to make it uncomfortable and unpleasant for somebody to train us. Why? The Word tells us that we shouldn't do that. We should make my training and my walk a joy for Him. Thank you, my pastor. Thank you for telling me that I was getting prideful. Thank you for telling me that I was getting too big for my britches. Thank you for telling me that I think, you know, my jokes I think are funny, but it actually comes off disrespectful. Thank you for telling me the hard truth. And as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And when we get in line with that, it all circles back to Joel chapter 2, where he says that great and exceeding army will operate in rank and file, and they will not break rank. They will understand their delegated authority, and they will operate with inside of their delegated authority. But it needs to come a time when those, we, 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 get, the, we get that right. Can we pray this morning? Father, in this place, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for the vision. I thank you for our pastor. I thank you for the mandate, the calling, and the anointing that you have put upon his life. And Father, my prayer this morning is that as the body behind the senior man, Lord, I pray that we would come up behind him. 
that we would serve him and serve the ministry. And Father, we would see the kingdom of God expanded for does your word not say that when they would operate in rank and in file, the latter part of Joel chapter two that we all love so much will come to pass. Father, I pray this morning that as this word goes out and as we choose to create the army that you have called us to be right from the very beginning, God, that you would begin to break out the great awakening that you promised the body of Christ. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. For our pastor this morning, and for every person who choose to align themselves as a spiritual son, they would come up around him and strengthen him and encourage him and be a protection and a covering for him as I know he is for us. Lord, I pray for every person who came out this morning, Lord, that the joy unspeakable would be their portion and that a peace that surpasses all understanding would go before them. And Lord, I give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everybody agreed and said, amen and amen. God bless you. I encourage you to come back next week. It'll be easier, I'm sure. I love you guys. Have a great week.